0: Okay, Shalom Aleichem. Welcome everybody. Thank you so much for coming. It's a pleasure to welcome my father who is here and all our friends. Thank you anybody listening on the podcast. <laughs> Tonight's shir is dedicated <laughs> with shvach to the Rebbeinah Sholeilam. Our friend Chaim Armani was scheduled this week for a heart catheterization on Tuesday at Maimonides Hospital. And Chaste Hashem, when Chaim came for the uh, exam, they just take, took one look at him and they said... You're good, your heart is good, and you can go home, you don't need any procedures. So Hashem, we're very we're very happy, Chaim, that you're you're healthy and you didn't need any procedures, and we wish you continued health and at And we should always see the Rebain Shalom's Khasodim guiding us every single day of our lives, Mr. Hashem. Today was Roshida Shvat, we know Shabbat is Rosh Tevis. Shinizbasa Basura's Tevas. And that's certainly something a Klal needs at this time, yes, I mean. and the Sfarim tell us that the Mazel of Shvat is a dli. It's a pail, a pail. It, what is what's what is uh, what's the uniqueness? What does a pail mean? So in the old days, before there was running water, you get you would get your water from a, a well. You would put the, hell, the the bell uh, the, the, way, the the pail on some sort of a hook and lower it down into the deep deep deep, deep underneath the ground. So the water, and then you would draw it up and get water for your family, for yourself. So that's what a Adli does. It goes down deep into the, the depth of the earth and it draws out Rechias. And that's a symbol for this time of year because we're holding mamish in the, uh, the thick of the winter. It's cold outside. And the trees are barren, there's nothing growing, there's no grass, there's no flowers, there's no leaves. But we know from science that really, underneath the surface, so there's a whole world that's regenerating itself and slowly rebuilding itself. And when the time comes, in just a few months, when spring emerges, everything is going to come forth. Almost in one shot all of a sudden we're gonna see the leaves and the trees blooming and the flowers growing. Everything is gonna come. Now where did it come from? It didn't happen by itself. No. All of that is happening right now, but it's happening underneath the surface. Right. Right, Tubishba is the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, which is coming up just in a few weeks. And that's the symbolize what the what the delay symbolizes. That you know, there's a lot happening underneath. Underneath the surface that we don't see with our own eyes. But we know that it's there. And we hope that, that just like nature is regenerating under the surface, and it's waiting to emerge in its full glory, so too the Rebbeinah also. Behind the surface, he's also being matzmi'ach yeshu'ais. And, Mitzvah Shem will be zeichet to see that very soon, as we said today by davening. The heya which means to Yeshua's Rafus for, for us and for Gans Klaya, HaShem, very soon. Yeah, that Leads us to the Parsha Bezar Shem, Parsha's Ve'ira. Last week we read about the beginning of the Shiva Mitzrayim. we read about and Narin coming to Parai and things seem to be going in the wrong direction. But immediately, this parsha starts off with Hashem saying to my Rabbeinu, "This is it. <laughs> the final stage of the Geula is going to start now, with, of course, the ten makas, which we read about the first seven that happened in this week's parsha. In next week's parsha, we're going to read about the next three. With the last one being makas bechayrus. The Rebbeinu Shalom is going to say." Pari is going to say, rather, to Klal Yisrael, get out. get out, out. I had enough of you. So all of this is happening, all of this is emerging in, this, in these weeks, parsius. And there's an interesting question. You know, <laughs> we read about Klal Yisrael coming out of Mitzrayim and us going from the mamish, the depths, the lowest of the low, emerging into Chayrus." We say by the Hagoda, by, by Pesach night, Halach so, Ma'anya, what do we say? Hashata Avdei, Chayrin That we acknowledge that Lema Yisa, even though we're sitting by the Seder, and we came out of Mitzrayim, but we're still Avodim. So the question that we ask, you know, that everybody uh, probably asks to themselves is, if Mitzrayim was only a temporary reprieve, we came out of Mitzrayim, we came out of Avdus, but we're still Avodim, then what is the, uh, what is the, the greatness of Yitzhia's Mitzrayim? After all, Hashat Avde, we're still Avodim. We, we did have Chayros for some years, but now Klal Yisro said there was a Golis, and we're still in Golis. Hashat Avde. So what did Yitzhia's Mitzrayim accomplish if we're seemingly back to square one again? so let's take a look at the words of the Torah here at the beginning of the Parsha when the Ebeshtar gives Moshe Rabbeinu the Messiah of the Gula after Moshe Rabbeinu complained at the end of uh, Parsha Shemos we read about last week that uh, Parai after Moshe and Aaron came to him the first time so he made things even harder in the beginning they had they, they would give them the supplies that they needed the building supplies and all they had to do was build mm-hmm then Parish said that's it you're not going to get the straw you're not going to get the materials you have to find everything on your own and then mix everything together and start everything from scratch which made of course their work much harder mm-hmm. so Moishe mm-hmm. Rabbeinu came to the, the Rebbeinah and says you made things much worse so here in the beginning of the parsha, the Rebbeinah says don't worry L'chein, emoy Yisrael ani I'm going to take you out of the sheep of Mitzrayim. So, I'm going to save you. I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to take you to be my nation. So says the Rebbeinu to call Don't worry, because now things are finally going to turn. And everything that happened up until now is going to end. There's going to be a Geula. But not only is there going to be a Geula, but the Rebbeinah Shaleim says, in addition to, there's also going to be says, I'm going to take you to be my nation. And I am going to be your God, your Hashem. So what happened here by Yitzayas Mitzrayim was that it wasn't just that Klael emerged from slavery. What happened was that we became Hashem's nation. He took us to be His nation. And that is something that continues until this very day. Even though the Gauls, unfortunately, came back. And Hashat Avdeh, But says the Ramchal, there's a difference between the Avdas that we're in today and the Avdas that was in the days of Pare. Because now, we're Hashem's nation. Hashem gave us the Torah. And now, right? So that's the difference, right? Right? Yeah, right. Right, exactly, like David is saying. So even though there's physical slavery, but the type of slavery that was in Mitzrayim, which was complete chayshech, spiritual slavery, that, Baruch Hashem, we don't have anymore. Because we have the Torah, and we're Hashem's nation. And That's the difference between that gullus and the gullus that we're in now. We're Hashem's nation, and that is something that keeps us strong and keeps us going in spite of the difficult circumstances that we find ourselves in. Because Baruch Hashem, we have the Torah that we learn. We have the Mitzvahs that we observe. We have Tefillah, which we connect to the Rebbeinah Sholeilam. And that gives us the Kayach that we need to be strong to go through the bitter gullas, and we know as we said, this gollus is going to end very soon, there was a story in the, one of the magazines written by a former Arab, a former Muslim he was born, Ayman Abu Saba he grew up in Khan Yunus, Khan Yunus is in the news now because that's where the Israeli army is now, bombing and destroying Hamas over there Chaniunas is in the thick of Gaza and he describes what it's like to grow up in that environment. He said, they they literally absorbed Jewish hatred in their blood. Already as children. They were ingrained by their families, by their teachers, by the schools. You have to hate Jews. You have to kill Jews. And... He remembers as a young child, he was a kid when the first Intifada broke out in 1987. There were some Arabs who were accused of collaborating with Israel. And he saw with his own eyes what they did to them. First they beheaded them, they killed them, and then they hung them on electric poles, and then eventually they dragged their bodies through the streets of Gaza in cars. In other words, they tied their bodies to cars, and they dragged him through the streets. That was the attitude that they had, the murderous Arabs, and he said as kids, they were already encouraged, you should try to kill Jews. It's the best thing you can do. And he said he, as a child already, he was repulsed by it. Even though he didn't know anything about Jews, and he never met a Jew in his life, but the whole attitude, was something it didn't speak to him. Even though his family and his friends, they were all into it, it never spoke to him. So he goes through the story, eventually, he managed to make his way to Israel. Back in the day, in the 1980s and the early 90s, there was no border between Gaza and Israel. <laughs> he could just go and travel because it was still part of Israel. So, he eventually made his way to Rishon LeZion. And, as he describes, there was a, a Sephardic family that spoke Arabic, and they found him there. They adopted him like a child. And he lived in their house. Eventually, he was Megayer. Today, his name is... Dor Shachar. Dor means generation, Shachar. The the dawn. And he said he took this name because it symbolized to him what his new life was all about. A new future, a new generation. And today he says he has absolutely no connection to his family. And he goes around trying to explain to Israelis who don't understand... That you cannot have any kind of dealings with these people, because all they want is to is to kill us, to destroy us, to harm us, and he said he was not surprised by the atrocity of, of October seventh he said, because this is this is their life, this is what they're ingrained in, this is how they live and Mimela he wasn 't surprised when all of that happened, and he says today today he doesn't have any connection to his family and it doesn't bother him because he has the torah which is the truth he says i live by the torah and i'm connected to the eternity of Kla Yisrael and that's all i need i don't need my family i don't need anything else this is what he needs to be part of Kla Yisrael, to be part of the torah and this is what the torah is uh, telling us over here that we are now we are now part of a new entity, a new mitzvah, Hashem's nation. We have the Torah, and therefore that gives us the strength to go against and to live during any difficult situation that we're in. Another interesting uh, story, also written by a Aguirre, this time somebody who grew up as a, as a non-Jew here in America, a woman. And she says, you know, um, she felt a connection to Jews growing up. She had visited concentration camps, and it was something that, that really deeply touched her. And when she made the decision to become a Giyaris, and after going through the whole process of learning and everything, so she's about to go into the Mikvah, and the De'anam say to her, are you okay with experiencing the hatred that many Goyim have to us? You know, as a guy, you're just another person. But once you become a Yid, then you're going to be exposed it's anti-Semitism, and that's just a fact of our life. And she said she was a young woman, she was 24 at the time. She said, yeah, and she felt, okay, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen, you know? She, uh, you know, she's she seen it all, she heard about the Holocaust, she said, well, well how bad could it be already? But now, living in, in, in this day and age, and experiencing what's happening in the world, and, you know, where she lives now in Cleveland, so she herself and her family were exposed to some acts of hatred, of acts of anti-Semitism. So all of a sudden, it's like it's not, it's not abstract anymore. It's not something that happens in Europe, you know, or in Israel. It's happening right here in her own backyard. So she says, you know, she's driving once through the streets, and, you know, and she sees the guy, you know, just walking around their daily life without any concern in their life, and she says to herself, you know, this could have been me, this was me. And she thinks to herself, you know, maybe, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that right away. She tells herself, no, I made the right choice because even though there's hate, it's worth it to have a life of meaning, a life of purpose and most importantly to connect to the eternity of Kal Yisrael, both her and her family, her children and future generations. So this is what it means and this is what the transformation that all of us went through after Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Mimela, you know, we should try to take a look at all the events that are unfolding around us, and befront the events in Eretz Yisrael, and and remind ourselves that, yes, it's difficult, but we have the Rebbeinah Sheleil on our side, and he gives us the tools to deal with it. There were some interviews this week with uh, mothers and grandparents and uh, widows, unfortunately, of Chayelim that were killed during this war. And you listen to these people speak, and they're so infused with amuna, with bitochen, with love for the rebbeinu shlelem. It's it's really uh, it, it boggles the mind. It's mind blowing. an interview uh, that I saw yesterday with a, a man who he lost three grandchildren all in this war, the last few months, yeah. three grandchildren, yeah. and they show a video of him by the levaya of one of his grandkids. He's there, and he's getting up to speak, and he starts singing. These were his feelings at the time. You know, that this is, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible sacrifice. And it's a terrible loss. But at the same time, it's coming from the angle of Yedin, the angle of Klal Yisrael, and the angle of Hashem's nation. And he speaks about, you know, that yes, it's painful and it's difficult. But we're Klal Yisrael, you know, and we're we're one nation. We have Hashem with us, and that's what gives us ch- Koyach and Chizuk during this time. Another interview, uh, which uh, also, uh, parts of it went viral by an uh who lost her husband. A young woman. And she says, I don't want people to have pity on me. You know, I don't want them to have Rachmanus on me. My husband was a wonderful person. He was a Bintaira. He was an Ehrlich man. And Baruch Hashem, he gave his life al Kiddush Hashem, which is the highest thing that a Yid can do. And we're very proud of him. And we're very proud that we're able to fight for Eretz Yisrael. Tremendous, tremendous, and you wonder where do these people get their strength from. But the answer is they get it from the Torah. They get it from the Rebbeinah Sholeilam. And they live by it. And uh, one, final, one final interview was with the mother of a fallen soldier. And also there was a video of her by, by Yislevaya. She's singing and she's encouraging other people to sing along with her. Songs of Amunah, songs of Chizak, songs of Bitochen. And this is us, Klal Yisrael, you know, that we don't let the difficulties break us. That's what makes us. And we use it as tools to come closer to the Rabbinah Of course, we daven in that, you know, these Karbonites should be the last ones. And, 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 and Sal should have a, 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 an amazing victory. But in the meantime, Lokachti as Chemlila No matter how difficult things are, we're Hashem's nation. Interestingly enough, we mentioned last week. Mayor Schuster, uh, the famous Machzor B'tshuva, the man who would approach people at the Kotel and tap them on the shoulder and bring them to yeshivas. So he does that to one fellow, you know, and uh, he uh, thought that he was Jewish. I guess he uh, he looked like a Jew. So he didn't bother asking him, are you Jewish, which is something that he usually did. So the fellow, when he asked the fellow, do you want to go come learn some Torah in the Yeshiva? The fellow said yes. Now that probably takes him to Torah. He was not a Jew. Exactly. The person was not a Jew. Not only was he not a Jew, he was studying to become a missionary. He was, uh, his name was Brother Adrian. <laughs> a student at a Catholic uh, school. And he was studying to be a missionary. And that's why he was in Israel. But anyway, he went to Yeshiva to Torah. And he's sitting there, he's learning, he's steiging, and he's really enjoying his experience there. After about three months there in the yeshiva, he goes to the Roshiva of Noach Weinberg, and he says, you know, Rabbi, this was really a wonderful experience, but the semester is starting soon, and I have to head back home. So Rabbi Weinberg says to him, but, you know, you learned so much, you grew so much during this period, you're going to go back, and you're going to go back to, to university, you're going to lose everything. So says Adrian to, the, to Rabbi Weinberg, I have to tell you the truth, Rabbi. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Jew. <laughs> uh, obviously, understandably, Rabbi Weinberg was not happy. He was not a happy camper, to put it mildly, as the book describes. He was furious. And he screams, like he says, You know, the slots that we have, we have limited slots in the yeshiva, they're meant for Jews, that they should come and you utilize those, our resources for free. Uh, Mamish, you, you deceived us, you lied to us. And he went on and on and on. Finally, Adrian says, you know, what, you know what, Rabbi, here's the deal. If I ever encounter a Jewish student in my, uh, you know, in the seminary where I'm going to learn and then eventually in my role as a Catholic preacher or, or priest, whatever, I'm going to teach him Torah. And Rabbi Aramberg said, in that case, that'll be your kapara. that'll be your atonement. Anyway, so he goes back home. He becomes eventually a faculty member in a Catholic school. And a student comes there. The, the place is in Vermont. You know, not, not too many didn't live in Vermont. Certainly no yeshivas there. He meets a Jewish student, and the Jewish student comes to him and he says, "You know, dear, I need I need to take on uh, some extra some extra credits that I have to that I have to do to get my degree. Maybe you could help me teach me some subject." He found out that the student is a Jew. He said to him, "I have the perfect subject for you. It's called Mishnayis." And he started teaching him Mishnayis. He told him Chumash. <laughs> and today, this fellow, the, the the student that he taught, is a from Jew raising an erlich family. <laughs> yeah. So you never know. You know, you never know where uh, where life is going to take you. And you know, the the Rabbi certainly has a sense of humor. And uh, Rabbi Rabbi Shuster used to tell over that story. You know, I guess as a way to show, that, you know, that the, the Rabbi Shalom works in, in interesting ways. You never know. You know, who you're going to end up taking Desha Teira, and who that person is going to end up influencing. But so what we do know is that there is a Rabbi And he runs the world, and he's taking care of us, and he's always going to take care of us. We say by davening every day, we go with the name of Hashem. That's what gives us our koyach. That's what gives us our strength. What is the name of Hashem? What does it symbolize? So we read in last week's parsha that when Moshe Rabbeinu was first approached by the Rebbeinu Shalom by the Sneh, and he tells him to go and relieve, reduce, and and and. and free Claudius from slavery. So he says, What should I say? When Claudius Yisroel asks me, what's, my, what's your name? So Hashem says, ekye asher ekye. I will be what I shall be. And there's many, many different ways to explain this very interesting name, very mysterious name of the Ribba'ina Shaloylam. But that is one of the Ribba'ina Shaloylam's names. I will be what I will be. So one of the Pshatim of Miller, of Victor Miller says, is that, the whole concept of time exists within the confines of this world. Time, there's a past, there's a present, there's a future. But the Rabbana Shelolim, there's no such thing. By the Eibeshter, everything is forever. Everything that happens, Eki Asher I'm going to be forever, and everything that's by me is forever. And so Rviller explains that part of that means is that when we do mitzvahs l'moshel, these are things that by the Rabbana Shelolim, there are mitzvahs that are there. And it's not something that, that ever, that, that's ever part of the past. It's a mitzvah that's always going to be there. It's forever and ever. So what, you know, you daven. And then, you know, the next day comes and you daven again. So you shouldn't think that yesterday's davening was yesterday, today's davening is today. No, no, no. Every single tefillah is nitzchiesh. Every single tefillah is there and it's always going to be there. Every single blood gemara that we learn, every shir that we go to, it's nitzchiesh, it's, it's forever and ever. And that's part of being a yid. And in addition to that, in addition to that, is the Rebbeinah Sheh'oleum's promise to claw Yisrael, that he is going to be our God, as we see here in the parasha, that too is going to be forever and ever. As the Apostle says, and he quotes it, the same way I don't change, and I'm forever, you too Yisrael are going to be forever. And this is something that we should remind ourselves during this time. Number one, to be mechazek ourselves in this, which gives us the strength, which is the teruah Daisha. and at the same time, be mechazek ourselves b'shem Hashem, that the Rebbeinu Shlomo promises us, "I am going to be there for you forever and ever." Ekiy Asher ekye. and us Klal Yisrael, we are too going to endure forever, and that should give us chizuk no matter how difficult things are, and they are very difficult. Eki Asha Eki, the Rabban Shalom is always going to be there for us. And calling yourself is always going to, going to endure. And no matter what happens, we're all going to survive and continue to thrive because we have this direct link to the Rebbein Shalom through the Kayach of the Torah. And speaking of the Kayach of the Torah, I just want to conclude with a beautiful story which shows you how the great, the great levels that someone who's truly connected to the Rebbein Shalom and to his Torah could reach uh, he's been to the Roshiv in Philadelphia uh, for the past 60 years or so. This story happened sometime in the 1990s. He gets a phone call from a Talmud, a former Talmud of the Yeshiva who was learning in Kailil in Mexico, Mexico City. It used to be a liquid Koylel there, could be, there still is. And the Talmud says, Rebbe, you know, we learn here with the Balabatim, with the Sephardi Balabatim, and there's a fellow here who has a daughter who's not well, and he came over to me with a question. He said he heard that in America, in Philadelphia, there's going to be a medical conference discussing the exact issue that his daughter has, some developmental disability. And this fellow is wondering maybe he should come with his wife to the conference. Uh, they were speaking uh, sometime in September, and the, the conference was scheduled for May. And the reshiva said, you know, actually, I, had, I heard about this conference. And it's, a very, it's going to be a very good one. How did he hear about it? Because someone else had asked him about it, so he had looked into it with his Robinson. Anyway, to make a long story short, he says, I think you should recommend to this fellow to come. Okay. Time goes on. It's seven months later. It's May. And this fellow in the Qayel, one day he gets a phone call. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? It's the Rashiva of Kamenetsky. He said, remember we had that conversation we had seven months ago in September? did that fellow ever show up? Did he come to the conference in Philadelphia? So the man said yes. So the Rosh Hashim says, how can I reach him? And the man said, I really don't know. <laughs> I know he went, but I have no idea where he's staying, or you know. So anyway, okay, that's, that was the end of the conversation with Rosh Hashim. Fast forward a week later, the man walks into the Koyal, he came back from America, and he says, he won't believe what happened. He said, after you hung up with the Rosh Hashim, what did he do? He called every single hotel in Philadelphia, is so-and-so staying by you until he tracked me down. <laughs> he came to the he called me. You know, he was surprised to uh, to hear from me. He says, Could you please come? You know, you're you're here and, and, and the conference, I guess, was a full week, so they had to stay for Shabbos. He says to him, Where are you gonna be for Shabbos? Please come and be my guest. So the man and his wife come to the Rashiva's house for Shabbos. And he treats them with royalty. He learns with him. They schmooze. And he said it was a, a really a very uplifting and wonderful Shabbos. Matsi Shabbos, they call a taxi for the man and his wife. To, so you go back to the hotel. And they're going to go back the next day to Mexico City. <laughs> and he's walking to the car. And the man turns to the Roshiv, he says, He says, Rashiva, you're not going to ask me for a donation? For a donation, for a check, for the yeshiva. And he says, Rabbi Kamenetzky was like, What? What in the world are you talking about? What donation? You think I did this because I wanted money from you? I did this because you're a fellow Yid, alone in a big city, and I know if a fellow Yid is here, I have to take care of you. So the man said, yeah, but Rabbi, I want to give you a donation. So Rabbi Small says to him, do me a favor, go back home. In a few weeks, if you decide to send a check for the yeshiva, mail it in the mail. But now don't give it, because if you're going to give it now, it's out of a sense of obligation, because I hosted you for Shabbos. And me hosting you for Shabbos had nothing to do with money. So go home, and then if you decide to send the check, then you can do it. Which was, which was what he did. He went back, just to show you really the greatness of our leaders, of our and those that are connected to Tyra. You know, you hear about a Jew, and seven months later, you still remember it, you track him down, you invite him for Shabbos without any thinking about anything in return. That's the greatness of those that are connected to Tyra. And that is the greatness of Klai Yisrael. That's the greatness that we were zeichet to as we read about this parsha. And I made my creation to him and I made my Computer and my lord